0: Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. John chapter 18 and verse 1. This morning I finished in record time. Let's see if that happens. You know, whenever I say that, something different happens, but let's watch what happens. Verse 1, when Jesus had spoken these words... What words? Well, in the passages prior, he had just told the disciples four things. Number one, he told them that he was going to leave them for a while. Number two, he told them the unthinkable. This man who had calmed storms, this man who had uh, walked uh, through the crowd when they wanted to throw him off the cliff, this man who fed the multitude, Emmanuel, God taken on flesh, was going to be crucified. He went on to say that. When that happened, all of you, all the disciples would abandon him. But then the fourth thing was equally shocking because at the last supper, the disciples had to ask, which one of us is going to betray you? Meaning that Judas knew how to play the church game. Judas fit in with everybody else and you would have never thought Judas was the one. So the fourth thing he told them was that one of their own number was going to lead in his betrayal. So the disciples were shell-shocked, and they were trying to wrap their heads around the words that Jesus had just spoken. And and what Jesus does, he he, he speaks as he characteristically speaks, go to John 14 and 1. He says, guys, don't let this throw you. Now, you got to remember, Jesus is the one that's about to be abandoned. He's the one that's about to be betrayed. But instead of him feeling sorry for himself and, and focusing on what he's feeling and going through, his primary concern is for the disciples he looks his men in the eye. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. You trust in God, don't you? Believe also in me. What human in their right mind would say, I want you to have the same confidence you have in God. Put it in me. Jesus was either more than a man or he was crazy. There's not a lot of room for anything else when you read the Gospels. Every man that has said he was God that was not God ended up going insane. But Jesus here is saying, the way you trust God, you need to start trusting me. John 18 and verse 1, when Jesus had spoken these words, and he summed up all those words and prayed for them, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron, the name there comes from the Hebrew term Kedar, Kedar. If you're familiar with the scriptures, you've heard of the tents of Kedar. The tents of Kedar were, were made of black goat's hair, and, and Kedar uh, came to, to be the word for black itself. So he went out with his disciples literally to cross the black brook. And this was the famed brook that king david uh, crossed when he was driven out of his throne or out of jerusalem by his son absalom second samuel fills us in on some of the details verse 15 you're going to be in the bible quite a bit today so get your running shoes on second samuel 15 and verse 23 after absalom had usurped authority and had kicked his father out of the throne scripture says and all the land wept all the neighboring peoples could hear the weeping and the wailing in Israel. As all the people pass by and their king crossed the brook Kidron. If you walk with the Lord long enough, all of us will have to cross this black brook at one point or another. You'll face some moments in life when everything you hoped for, everything you had trusted. in. this is his boy. This is his child. Absalom was out of his own loins. You'll you'll, you'll face moments when friends become foes and relatives become rivals. You'll, You'll face those moments where there's nothing left but God. And this was the situation of David when he crossed his brook. And likewise, it's a righteous parallel that Jesus crosses the same brook to go to his Gethsemane. He crosses the same brook when he goes through that dark night of the soul, total abandonment from the Father. God had been connected. Jesus is Emmanuel, God taken on flesh. He had been with the Father from eternity past. But for the first time in his life, he was going to be separated from God. When he took our sins, God had to turn his back on his son. And I think it hurt the Father probably more than it hurt Jesus. And that's why Jesus cried out from the cross. He said, my God, my God, Elo Eloi, Eloi, why has thou what, forsaken me? He never lived a moment without the presence of God. He never lived a moment without the pleasure and, and, and the approval of the Father. But while he was hanging on that cross, he was standing there alone, isolated, by himself, alienated, and he alone carried the weight of our sin, the weight of our transgressions as the Father turned his back. And all the people passed on toward the wilderness. David crossed his black brook into a wilderness of exile, brokenness, and in David's case, Deep sense of failure because of his failing with Bathsheba. That was part of the reason this happened with his son. And man was totally broken. Back to John 18 and 1. Jesus went out with his disciples to cross this brook. This brook was an intermittent stream that would swell in the summer months and it would dry up in the winter months. But it was called a black brook because the cedar leaves would fall into the stream and would color the water. But also, the children of Israel, they would put their waste and their garbage and, and everything unclean that they couldn't have in their homes, they would dump into this running brook. I've been in developing countries, and every village has this running brook where waste runs off from the town. Jesus had to cross this brook. Let's go back to John 18 and one. It says... He went out with his disciples once again to cross the Kidron. And I'm sure now these guys knew the Bible as kids. You know, they had to memorize whole books of the Bible and uh, they, they were trained and steeped in scripture. Matter of fact, from the cross, if you pay attention, all the words except him tending to his mother, everything Jesus said was from the Bible. He was meditating on scriptures while he was bearing that dark hour. And what you meditate on when you're going through crisis has everything to do with how the thing turns out. Scripture says here that he crossed this this, this, this Kidron Valley, if you will. And I believe that Psalms uh, 23 and verse 4 captured what was on the master's mind. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. God, I'm carrying the weight of the world on my shoulder. There's no more after me. I am the last Adam. I am the only hope for humanity. And God, if I mess up, if I get this wrong, there's no more hope for redemption. Your justice has to be satisfied. I'm the only innocent lamb of God that could take the sin of the world. But, but he stands there and he says, I will fear no evil for my God. You are what? With me. You will have moments in your life. Only one with you is God. Friends, relatives, people even who mean well, you're by yourself. Jesus has to cross this brook to get to his Gethsemane. But he says, your rod and staff, they comfort me. Lord, in spite of what's going on, I believe you will protect me and you will keep me. You are the lifter and holder of my head. Let's see if we can get through this verse. After he crossed the Kidron Valley, he entered Gethsemane where there was a garden. The first man, Adam, rejected God in his garden. But here we have Jesus about to submit wholly to God in his garden. It says, where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. There's a contrast here. Adam had a perfect garden. I mean, the presence of God showed up every evening and there was no sin, no arguing. There was no 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 drama between Eve and Adam, no, no baby mama drama. There was no nothing going on in the garden. Everything was peaceful. Everything was copacetic. The animals weren't biting each other yet. The, the mosquitoes, you know, they just hum when they pass you. They, they didn't sting. None of that was going on. Perfect environment. But in spite of the perfect perfect environment, Adam chose, said, you know what, God, I appreciate you and everything, but I think I want to do this thing myself. He made the decisions on his own, and, and the primary sin in the garden, by the way, was independence. You may say, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that, but every step of independence that you walk independent of your creator is a violation of your covenant and a violation of your purpose. It says here, he brought the disciples to the garden. Now, Adam's garden was perfect, but Jesus' garden was filled with 11 imperfect men Sewage went around the base of the mountain. And that just lets you know that your environment is no excuse for what you do or choose not to do in your life. Jesus had the worst of situations. He's personally about, he knows he's about to be betrayed. And his heart was way broken. It was broken way before his body was ever pierced. Jesus had to deal with that, handle that. And in the midst of imperfection and everything going crazy, Scripture says he led his disciples into the garden. And verse 14 of Mark, gives us a little more information. Scripture says this. Once again, Jesus had never needed anybody. He's always there to help others, and he commanded crowds. He's a very, very powerful individual. Even if you didn't embrace him as Messiah, he was a man like you had never seen. He looks at his disciple, and for the first time, they hear him say something that's totally uncharacteristic for the master. He says, my soul is very sorrowful. Even to the point of death, he was saying, "Guys, I'm coming apart. Guys, I'm something's in my heart that's breaking me down from the inside. Death is beginning to enter my." Jesus had never had a moment where sin and none of that never entered. For for the first time, he's about to take on the sin of the world, and the Father's backing up, and and he's feeling the weight of the whole thing. And he looks at his disciples. Again, guys, this thing is gripping me. It's, it, it, it's overwhelming. And he said, I'm facing a few things. Could, could you pray with me just for a little while? Then the Bible says, "In going a little further. And that's the deal. When you're facing crisis, you have to learn to push a little bit further. You may not think there's anything left. Your disciples and your friends may not be responding the way you think they ought to respond. But Jesus, in this situation, he pushes himself yet a little. I'm falling apart. But God, I'm going to push myself a little further. And then the Bible said he fell on the what? Ground. He was a perfect man. He was a miracle worker falling on his face before God. How much more should men and women like you and I fall on our faces before a holy God? Here's Jesus. Never sin, never error. But he finds himself weak. He finds himself facing something that's overwhelming his intellect. And this is a brilliant man. And he's found on his face before God. And he prayed, and that's what you need to do when you're in trouble. He has a conversation. He said, Dad, if it's possible, pass this cup for me. I'm not in the pain. I love people, but I'm not sadistic. I didn't wake up this morning just wanting people to start whipping on me and and nailing me up. Father, if there's any other way to redeem humanity, now's the time. Let's hear it. Skip to 37. He has his moments, and if we stay there, we'll be there too long. But Here's his moment of greatest need. He's done everything for these guys. When he called Peter into the ministry, he gave him a boat, sinking net, break and catch a fish and and all those fish were used to feed the family and the community and and that's why mom and them was so happy about sending uh, uh Peter off because you know a man that that could cause uh you know the, the, these guys they fished all night got nothing but as soon as they connected with Jesus all of a sudden, you know, boats were full and you know Jesus met their needs. They they had no wants, but in his Moment of need. Watch what happens. He came back and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, "He said, Peter, remember when your 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 your, your, your mother-in-law wasn't feeling well, and I had a long day, and we just finished ministering to the multitudes, and..." And she was ill. I came and laid my hand on it and healed her. You know, Peter, you remember how confused you used to be. Peter, remember, you know, after again long days, you know, late in the night, I I'd explain to you the things I said uh, to the crowds, and and you remember when I laid hands on all twelve of you, and you went out and did the things that I was doing. You cast out demons, laid hands on the sick, you raised the dead. Remember, you know, all those those precious things that that I did for you, and and we did together. Peter, could you not just? Watch with. Have I ever asked you for anything, Peter? Could you just watch with me? I didn't ask for six. Just man, a good sixty minutes would have helped me in this moment. Peter, couldn't you watch with me for an hour? The answer was no. You see, a lot of us say, you know, if I had a better wife, if I had a better family that I'm from, if I had a, a a better church. You know, my life would be better. But but Jesus here, he's coming out of a situation where the you see, a stranger can't hurt you the way someone who knows you hurts you. you. You passing on the street, he can't do half of what someone who's near and dear to your heart. Jesus is about to experience a whole lot of physical pain, but his heart was way broken before any of those events occurred. John eight and 18 and 2. Now Judas, who betrayed him, Also knew the place. Judas knew all Jesus' spots, all his his places where he prayed and, and hung out. For Jesus often met there with his disciples. Once again, it's the folks we know best that caused us the greatest pain. Psalms 55 and 12 predicted what would happen to Jesus here. And if you listen, God will always prepare you for things to come. Scripture says the Holy Spirit comes to show us what things to come. Verse 12. For it's not an enemy who taunts me. It's not the neighborhood bully. It's, it's, you know, it's not to do just with, with the head problem that's causing me trouble. See, if that was happening, I could bear it. I, I could understand that because that's the way you know, guys like that are. It's not an adversary who deals insolent with me. It's not someone who, who doesn't know me or know my ways. See, if, if it was someone I didn't know or someone that didn't know me, then I could, hide for, I could avoid that, that person. But, but no, it's, it's you. The sting of it, was who it was. It was not a stranger that betrayed the Lord. It was someone who knew him, someone who stayed up. They slept together. I mean, some of y'all got to watch that, Uh, but they made camp together and and fired. They ate together. Jesus here is prophetic. It's speaking of what's going on behind the scenes as, as Christ is in his, but it's you, a man, my eagle, or a man like myself, my com- uh, my companion, my boy, my, my homie, the, the, the guy that, that we grew up together, my familiar friend. We go back a, a long way. We used to take sweet counsel together. We had some good times. Within God's house, we walked in the throng. We prayed together. We went to church together. But it is you. No one can hurt us like those who are closest to us. The same truth relates to our God. When I was wrong and running in my sin, yeah, that hurt the heart of God. But I can could never hurt God as much then as I can now. After He has shared precious moments where I, I've sensed his spirit, when I was confused and, and and he gave me the word and instruction and made everything straighten out and and when when I was hurting and he was that 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 friend that sticks closer than the brother When I was all by myself, when when I was, again, no, no, no hope, circumstance, situations, I couldn't see my way out of, it was Jesus. You know, with that relationship also comes the trust. The more you know him, the more you can hurt him. And my prayer is that God never looks down from heaven and says, it's you, it's the boy I met in that dorm room at 19. It's that boy that couldn't sleep alone. Because he's reaching out for love in all the wrong places. Yeah, it's that boy that I, I put my word in his heart and, and I gave him a platform. It's that boy I turned your life around, gave you a wife you didn't deserve and kids you didn't deserve. I, I gave him, it's you. Prayers that he never looks down and say, Boy, it's you. My prayers, he never looks and says, It's, it's you. John 18 and 3. I you know it's a little heavy for a celebratory service, but it'll do you good need some collard greens you know some of that food that may not at first taste so good to keep you healthy so judas having procured big word for obtain a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and pharisees learn from judas don't ever build a relationship based on a common dislike of another person it will never last the reality was When Judas, you know, betrayed the Lord, he went back to these people and they laughed at him. And they watched Judas hang himself and it was a big old joke. So be mindful of how you make friends. Scripture says they went there with lanterns. You know you're in darkness when when you have to carry a, a flashlight to find the light of the world. Here we have, I mean, the brightness of God's glory. But they were in such darkness, they they needed, again, lanterns to find the master and torches and, and weapons. But there's something you need to understand about Jesus that's going to become very plain as we begin to close out these passages. There's not a gun big enough, a sword wide enough. There's not a group of men powerful enough to take Jesus a place he didn't want to go. He was standing before Pilate. He said, Pilate, don't get it twisted. Listen, I could call a legion of angels down here. Nobody takes my life. I'm not that guy I lay it down Pilate. if you're gonna kill me it's because God above gave you authority to do it but don't think it's somehow because you know you you're tough and brony. and these men came to him you know uh, with, with their swords and, and and their spears and and, and all the rest In verse four it says then Jesus knowing all I mean you know that's the truth about Jesus he knows all knowing all that would happen to him None of these events took him by surprise. He came to the earth for the very purpose of laying down his life. But here's the deal: God used the foolishness of Judas to cause Jesus to step into his purpose, and God will use the foolishness of people in your life to cause you to step into your purpose. Sometimes you need to clap your hands for your Judas, because he's about to take you and you, you hear what I'm saying and bring you into the place you need to be. It was those church members that broke my heart. Those church members that, man, I wanted to say some words when I saw them coming. They drove me to my knees. They made me get acquainted to someone bigger than myself. It was those people that hurt me the most that caused me to reach in the deepest, to show forgiveness and grace and mercy. And often it's the Judases that that bring you, and, and they're, the, they're, the, they're the stepping stone to bring you into the purpose that God has decided. Don't run from Judas. In fact, Jesus kept his enemies close. He's like, Judas, you're a tool. God's going to use you. And there will be people close to you that God will use as instruments for his glory. Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, he, he what? He came forward. I like this about Jesus. He came into the open, lest anyone think he was trying to hide. You know, they were under the trees maybe and, and all the rest. But when he saw him come and he walked to him, he stepped right to him. He let him know, I'm in control. I ain't afraid of you guys. He stepped in. Uh, uh, into the light, if you will. And he he said to them, who do you seek? Now, he knew who they wanted, but again, he wanted to make sure they understood that he was in charge, he's not running, he's not afraid, that he got, this is my Jesus, you hear what I'm saying. And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Then Jesus said to them, ego ima, which translated, I am. They asked him, who, 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 you know, who did you come for? And then Jesus responds with a divine name. Moses was at a burning bush, and he had met God. He said, God, who should I say sent me? And God thought about it for a moment. There was no name on earth big enough to capture all he was. So God said, Moses, tell him that I am sent you. What does I am mean? Saying again, there's no, there's no name to fit me, so tell him that I'm the one who always was. I'm the one who will always be. And Moses, everything I've ever been and everything I ever will be, I am right now in this moment. Moses, tell him that I am sent you. And we find in the Bible, God filling in what he is. Jehovah, Yahweh, literally is I am. It's the divine name. When the Bible said he's Jehovah's sick canoe, he says, I am your righteousness. Your righteousness, but filthy rags, but I will become your righteousness. Are you hearing me? Jehovah, Shama, the Lord God, thy peace. I am your peace. Jehovah, Jireh, that is, I am the one who provides. So they asked for him, and, and Jesus responded. He says, ego, Ime, literally, I am. And Judas, that was to betray him, was, was standing right there with him. And when Jesus said, I am, now, if you know anything about Greek grammar, they don't have exclamation points. And when they repeat something, that's the way They emphasize it. So what the writer here is doing is emphasizing the I am statement that Jesus made because everything that's about to ensue is connected to what the master has just said. When Jesus said to them, I am, they drew back and fell to the ground. You see, Jesus was saying, don't think that y'all can just come up in here, walk up in this garden and take me like I'm some common cripple. I ain't no ordinary man. He wanted to make it very clear. That if I go with you, it's because I want to go with you. He was subtly saying in this gentle way, I got power to knock you out. You need to understand. They fall to the floor, and Scripture says, what did they do? Yeah. He asks them again. So, you know, they, they, they fell to the floor. He helps them up, dusts them off, and said, come, come on up, guys. Let, let's, let's go at this again. He said, listen, y'all need to step, step to me with the right attitude. So let, let's do this again. And I'm sure a little more politely now they speak. And Jesus said, let me ask you the same question. Whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And, and, and Jesus was like, okay, that's better. I, I appreciate the attitude. Y'all, y'all have you know, straightened that out. And you know, Why do sometimes people fall to the ground when I put their hands on them or, or others put their hands on them? Because God sometimes wants to remind us that he's God. There's no deep, profound reason. It's simply I'm God, you're on the ground. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> and every now and then he needs to knock us out to remind us who he is. Jesus answered, He said, did I stutter, guys? I told you I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.